Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Folks, Black Star Network is here. Hold no punches! A real uh, revolutionary right now. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. Thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roland. I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig?
Today is Thursday, September 29, 2022. Coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Jenny Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, was questioned today by the House January 6th committee. Of course, she told them that she still believes the 2020 election was stolen. And Justice Samuel Alito had the audacity to say, y'all should not question the Supreme Court. Really? Folks, uh, we lost another great one. Uh, Grammy-winning rapper Coolio died after being found unresponsive on a bathroom floor inside a friend's home. We'll share those details with you. The life expectancy for black men has decreased in America, and it is four years shorter than our white counterparts. We'll have the duly elected president of the National Medical Association break down this new study. State of Tennessee still owes the state's only publicly funded HBCU, Tennessee State, more than $500 million. Dr. Jeff Carr will join us to explain why the state hasn't signed that check yet. Also, Jackson, Mississippi has been begging for funds to update its water system for years. A current governor has admitted to blocking funds the city needs when he was the state treasurer. Mayor Chukwe Lumumba will join us for an update on the city's water crisis. And a new study finds that black girls are more than four times more likely to get suspended from school. We'll talk to the study's author and the executive director of an organization with programs to help those girls get back on track. Plus, we'll tell you why several Republican-led states are suing President Joe Biden over his student loan forgiveness plan. I, I guess those states don't have folks who actually owe student loans. Or could it be the students who do owe? They're black. It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered, the Black Star Network. Let's go. Martin, he's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito, the one who led the ruling that got rid of Roe v. Wade, he has said it is wrong for people to question the integrity of Supreme Court. He said that it's crossing a line. He said that today, y'all. The same day, the wife of Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice, testified before the January 6th committee investigating the attack on the U.S. Capitol. The same rabid Republican Jenny Thomas who was active 
in trying to get the 2020 election overturned. The same Jenny Thomas, the same one who didn't just call Arizona, she called multiple states. The same Jenny Thomas that helped raise money and pay for buses to come on January 6th. And you actually want me to believe that Clarence did not know what his wife was doing? You've got to be outside your damn mind. And, and, and check this out. Congressman Benny Thompson, the chair of the committee, was there for about an hour today. He said her trifling ass sat before the committee and said she still believes the election was stolen. And Alito wants to tell us it's crossing a line to question the integrity of the U.S. Supreme Court. Thomas was interviewed for more than four hours, interspersed with brief breaks. And again, <laughs> Thompson says she answered some questions and said that if Thomas, Thomas provided committee investigators with something of merit, it will be included in the panel's next public hearing. Mm. Really. Here's a statement her attorney, Mark Paoletta, made after she appeared before the committee. Earlier today, Jenny Thompson participated in a voluntary interview with the J6 committee. She was happy to cooperate with the committee to clear up the misconceptions about her activities surrounding the 2020 elections. She answered all of the committee's questions. As she has said from the outset, Ms. Mrs. Thomas had significant concerns about fraud and irregularities in the 2020 election. And as she told the committee, her minimal and mainstream activity focused on ensuring reports of fraud and irregularities were investigated. Beyond that, she played no role in any events after the 2020 election results. As she wrote in a text to Mark Meadows at the time, she also condemned the violence on January 6th as she abhors violence on any side of the aisle. There we go with the any side. Yeah, Thomas became interest, became up interest after the publication of text messages she exchanged with Trump's former White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, and state lawmakers about overturning the election. Thomas and Meadows exchanged 29 text messages. In those messages, she urged him to fight for Trump and those seeking to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Thomas also contacted Arizona and Wisconsin state lawmakers to overturn Biden's victory. <sighs> These insurrectionists are exactly who we thought they were. And I keep telling y'all, they're not done. They want to put people in office who are going to continue the BS that they are involved in. I, 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 I just keep trying to explain that to people. I understand why uh, people don't believe that, uh, but I can guarantee you uh, these uh, thugs are not going away. They're going to they're going to continue to create as much mayhem as possible against the American people. Join me right now, Dr. Greg Carr, Department of Afro-American Studies, Howard University. Dr. Niambe Carter, Associate Professor, University of uh, Associate Professor uh, at Howard. Also, uh, Jason Carter. Uh, he, Jason, I'm sorry, Jason Nichols, Senior Lecturer, African-American <laughs> Studies Department, University of Maryland College Park. Sorry, Doc. So you left Howard. Where are you now? 
I did. I met University of Maryland. Got it. All right. Well, I see. They didn't tell me that. So when I saw Maryland, I was like, hold up. Jason there. I didn't realize both of y'all uh, were at Maryland. So uh, glad to have uh, you both. Uh, this is, uh, I want to run this here. This is an ad that Don Winslow, um, he uh, put up today, of course, very quickly, uh, dealing with uh, this crank, Jenny Thomas. I want to go ahead and play that. I'm going to go to the panel. Watch this. When your husband is a Supreme Court judge, you get a lot of special privileges. I can do whatever I want, and no one can stop me. People are saying I broke federal and state laws, but when you're Clarence Thomas's wife, it just doesn't matter. They can't touch me. I tried to overthrow the government, and all I got is this silly little interview. No one is above the law. <laughs> you will never see me testify under oath and on television. It's nice to have family friends like Liz Cheney. Thanks, Liz. Now, uh, Niamh, the reason uh, Don took a shot at Liz Cheney there because she was very much involved in not wanting Jenny Thomas to come before this committee. For all of her uh, anti-Trump stuff, she was quite protective of this MAGA Republican. Absolutely. So thank you for having me, Roland. It's good to see my colleagues. Um, look, Jenny Thomas is in a rare position. She has supporters and protectors on all sides, not limited to her husband, also uh, the very powerful Liz Cheney. And that's why we need to be careful about giving these Republicans, you know, slaps on the back for doing the bare minimum, which is their job. I mean, at the end of the day, Liz Cheney is a conservative Republican. And while she might have thought January 6th went too far, she's not above covering and caping for someone like Jenny Thomas, which many have done for quite some time. I mean, she has been quite clear about her beliefs um, and has even put her money in the same place, yet she has really escaped scrutiny for many months and is certain, I mean, it's pretty much been the case that she was given a red carpet to show up. And I'm sure there's nothing that's going to really come of this where Jenny Thomas is concerned. I mean, she's just going to sit there and pretend that she was just, you know, a concerned citizen and not an actual provocateur. And that's exactly what she is. Well, it really does crack me up when I listen to uh, these people, um, Jason, and they act as, no, I, I was just, you know, no, I was just... Just doing my American duty. I was, I just sent a few text messages, a few emails. I don't really see what the big deal is. You know, the, the interesting thing about Jenny Thomas, I, I, first of all, I don't buy any of that, that she believes the election was stolen. Uh, I'm not saying she's a genius, but she's clear <laughs> that this election was free and fair. The problem is... I think she recognizes, as we all do, that the January 6th committee and their objective is uh, to show that Trump and others knew this was a fair election and were trying to overturn it anyway. This is why they keep showing Bill Barr. They keep showing uh, Cassidy Hutchinson and others who were in Trump's ear telling him, no, this is free, this is fair. All those guys from DOJ and from the White House uh, legal team who were saying, no, you need to give this up. This is over. It was done. It was a free and fair election. I think that she is, at the very least, smart enough to recognize that this was uh, a free and fair election that uh, Joe Biden won, but she's trying to escape legal culpability by saying, look, I really believe this. There's no intent to do any harm because I really believe that this was an unfair election. 
Um, I, I just don't believe that. I think she clearly knows, as we all do, especially now, but I think at the time, she knew it was, it was, uh, it was a, a fair election. And, you know, you have her who's, she's insulated by all of these people within uh, the power structure, uh, and she gets to walk down the halls and smile the way we saw in, in that video. Uh, indeed. Uh, and, um, you know, look, folks have been uh, really going after them. Here's another video, uh, Greg, I want to play for you. Jenny Thomas, the spouse of a sitting Supreme Court justice, tried to overturn the 2020 election where armed white supremacists under the direction of Trump invaded the Capitol and tried to hang the vice president, has agreed to testify. Who do you understand is his arrest? The January 6th committee has been slow to call her out, I guess in deference to the Supreme Court, the same court that gives her husband Clarence and his hairy coke can dominion over women's bodies. Jenny Thomas texted Meadows in January of 2021, urging him to undermine Biden's win and keep Trump in power in Arizona and Wisconsin. Wisconsin, she pushed the legislatures to throw out votes and declare Trump president. Trump won. She then attended the January 6th insurrection. She's on the record declaring America to be in danger due to a deep state run by transsexual fascists. What the fuck is wrong with you? Did I mention she's married to a Supreme Court justice, the only dissenting vote to investigate Trump's role in the insurrection? How the fuck is this okay? Ginny Thomas is like a drunk driver, and Clarence Thomas is like a car. And the American people, we're standing in the crosswalk. Goddamn right. I have a cocaine addiction. <laughs> Jenny Thomas, the <laughs> Figured you'd get a kick out of that one, Greg. That was hilarious. And it's, it is good to, to see my colleagues. And uh, uh, Dr. C, you know, once you do years at HBCU and dog years, you you earned retirement. So I'm glad <laughs> you're still in PG. <laughs> so at any rate, I'm glad to see you still in that wall. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they're not fighting for democracy. They're fighting for a theocracy. These are white Christian nationalists. Yep. Or at least in, in Clarence Thomas's case, I suppose you call him kind of a checkerboard Christian nationalist. If you, uh, but uh, clearly, they don't give a damn about voting. I mean, uh, and I love that video because, yeah, eight to one, the Supreme Court ordered the release of Mark Meadows, what was it, 2,320 text messages? Uh the one dissenter, Clarence Thomas, because 29 of them were with his best friend. And I use that word best friend because one of those 29 texts that Jenny Thomas sent to the White House, to Mark Meadows, said after, she, after Meadows characterized this as a battle between good and evil, there's the language, she replies, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Between that and the conversation with my best friend, I'm encouraged. Best friend, her husband. Clarence Thomas asked need to be off the Supreme Court if there were a rule of law in this country, but there isn't. John Roberts uh, killed the rule of law with Citizens United in 2010. And he's been looking ever since like, we need to respect the court. Dude, you destroyed the court when you decided that corporations have unlimited speech. And they began to really pump to put this theocracy in place. So Sam Alito, you mentioned Alito earlier. Uh, I would encourage folk to look at The New Yorker. Margaret Talbert wrote an excellent article on his plans for theocracy at the end of August in The New Yorker. Uh, remember, Alito was the one that tried uh, on the 28th of October to slow down allowing absentee ballots in Pennsylvania, and then on November the 6th, ordered any ballot that came into Pennsylvania after Election Day to be sequestered in case they could be thrown out. He did everything he could to stop the election of Joe Biden. But, you know, I only have so much sympathy for Joe Biden because Joe Biden threw Alita Hill under the bus. I'm old enough to remember 1991. But at any rate, <laughs> I'm saying these people are fighting for a theocracy. They are fighting, and they don't give a damn. 
And so I, I, it'll be interesting to see as these uh, Proud Boy insurrectionists, or is it the Oath Keepers? I guess it's Oath Keepers, are on trial using Reconstruction-era legislation. That's the same statute that Benny Thompson filed that federal lawsuit, Civil Rights Act of 1866, to say, you all tried to overthrow the government. That's still good law in the books if there's a rule of law in this country, but that's really what's on trial, isn't it? The rule of law in this country. Uh, indeed. This is uh, an ad that the Lincoln Project put together uh, with regards to Jenny Thomas. Justice Clarence Thomas is compromised. On January 19th, 2022, Thomas was the only Supreme Court justice willing to help Trump and his allies hide from justice over the January 6th insurrection. Thomas did not hide that he was willing to grant Trump's request for secrecy, but it wasn't just to protect Trump and his conspirators. It was to protect his wife, Ginny Thomas. A radical right-wing activist, Ginny Thomas has openly applauded rebellion in the past. I think people are rebelling and there's a big tidal wave coming. I think the Democrats are pretty worried about what's coming. And the lead-up to January 6th was no different. Ginny Thomas used her direct line to Trump's White House to push for the overturning of a free and fair election, even attending the rally that would ultimately end in an attack on the U.S. Capitol. None of this would be known if Justice Thomas had gotten his way. The January 6th commission can't do their job if one of the most powerful men in the country is using his seat to protect his best friend. Clarence Thomas must recuse himself because he took an oath to protect the Constitution, not his wife. And Niambe, that right there is all we need to know. And the fact that the Supreme Court to this day has not created a code of ethics. This man is literally ruling on cases and involving things his wife was involved in. The, the conflict of interest is extremely clear. It is a neon sign, LED light, damn near uh, a, a sun ray uh, uh, coming down. That's what we're seeing. Well, absolutely. And I think the thing about the Supreme Court is when we look to the Constitution, I mean, it's really designed with very little structure, right? You don't even have to be an attorney to be on the Supreme Court. I mean, and these are lifetime appointments. And that's why they're also dangerous, because we're stuck with these people for quite some time. And certainly, they have no incentive to police themselves. And even if someone thought, Hmm, this doesn't look right. Clarence, you might want to step off. No one has really pushed him on it. John Roberts certainly hasn't. I mean, for the reasons that uh, Dr. Carr here talked about, but also because where where's the, the pressure going to come from, right? They're supposed to be the court of last resort, and nobody's really questioning them about anything that they do. And no one's ever or not moved with this court in particular to push them off. I mean, we knew that Clarence Thomas was compromised even before this moment. Remember, Jenny Thomas was the same woman calling Anita Hill at her work phone 20 years past uh, his hearings, telling her that she needed to apologize to her husband. So this woman has a history of harassment under her belt even before January 6th. And I'm just wondering, how far is this going to go? I mean, clearly the Supreme Court doesn't care about its own credibility. But certainly, I think we have to think about as a nation what it is we want to do. Now, it's going to take a while because Congress doesn't also want to touch this branch. But there is nothing that doesn't or that 
that prevents, excuse me, Congress from modifying the Constitution and modifying their duties as the court of last resort. Now, of course, that's pretty extreme and it's likely not to happen, but it's not as if we have nothing that we can do to make this branch be more accountable. We just haven't done it. And now, you know, looking at them and looking at them to do it for themselves, I really doubt that's going to happen. And certainly, we know the Republicans aren't going to ask for the, the court to be more accountable. I um, mean, it, it started, I guess, as an idea that the court should be above the fray politically. But certainly, they have put themselves into politics, and we should probably treat them more like politicians rather than lifetime officials. Well, absolutely. And, and I, I fundamentally uh, am against a Supreme Court justice uh, having a lifetime appointment. I, I'm, I'm just against that. I mean, hey, fine. If, if you want to say 20-year terms, but Jesus, lifetime? <laughs> Nobody can be good at everything for all their life. <laughs> like, are you serious? Again, Jason, and, and, you know, and Biden doesn't want to go hard. He is not like, I mean, whatever that BS commission he had, oh, whatever the recommendations, whatever. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's disappointing because Republicans are always willing to play hardball to the point where they're willing to literally storm the Capitol. Now, I don't think we should go to that extreme, but one of the things, there are many things on the table, of course, pushing Puerto Rico to become a state, potentially, if they don't want to be independent, which I, I'm probably more leaning towards independence. But if they want to be a state, bring Puerto Rico in and the District of Columbia. Maybe even, and, you know, these are some radical ideas, but breaking up California so that you get more senators in the Senate. Of course, court expansion in terms of uh, the Supreme Court. You can expand the court. The court has had fewer members than nine and more members than nine several times throughout our history. And these were things that, ideas that were being discussed uh, with Joe Biden, and Joe Biden would kind of flirt with them. But once he got into his office, he didn't want to touch them. And my thing is, Joe, you're already unpopular. Like, go for it. Go balls to the wall. Like, go out and start taking some bold action to secure... Uh, the future of the nation, and it doesn't seem like he's willing to consider any of that. This is what we know, and I said this on ABC to Chris Christie's face, and I keep telling people this, Greg. The Republicans do not care about norms. We're not wor they're not worried about, oh, what will people think? They are about power, cementing power cementing control. And I just keep saying to all these people out here uh, who are talking about just sitting here behind on the sidelines, understand they are coming after you. You can sit here and, oh, I don't like this dim or this person. I'm telling you, <laughs> what these folk have in store, this, if y'all thought the last Supreme Court term was crazy, Revoke Roe v. Wade. Wait till we wait until June 2023. Oh, y'all want to have a conversation? Watch what they do this term. These people, they have been planning this since Brown versus Board of Education, since the 1964 Civil Rights Act, 65 uh, uh, Voting Rights Act, 68 Fair Housing Act. They have been playing, play, and so I don't, I can't say any progressive or liberal, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Well, how, how, they've been telling you what they were gonna do. 
They simply did it. And these folk didn't believe him, Greg. No, I mean, they've been telling us what they're going to do since they drug us over here into this criminal enterprise. That's why um, I never use the word our or we when I talk about the United States of America. Uh, this system was set up with the original constitutional framework and federalism to do exactly what it is doing now. Now, sure, Washington and Madison and the rest of them, well, in addition to not ever being able to imagine that Lizzo was going to play his flute, James Madison <laughs> never would have imagined, and that a black woman would give her permission to do it. Shout out to this librarian of Congress. I just love that. <laughs> but at any rate, James Madison never imagined that this, this, this criminal enterprise would take up from the Pacific to the Atlantic, but he set up a system so that even in the even as it did, white minority rule is literally poured into the structure. So I think, uh, uh, Dr. Nichols, I think that that is a fascinating possibility. And I think that it is an increasingly possible possibility as the demographic shift and as this thing fractures, because these white nationalists are going to overburden this federal structure. They've tried to break it several times. They tried to break it in the 1840s and 50s. I mean, y'all go read Dr. Carter's book, American Wild Black. She'll walk you through that whole thing. You walk them through it, Doc. I mean, Martin Delaney, I'm like, let's just get the hell out of here, <laughs> even as they come back and fight in the Civil War. But they tried to break it in the 1850s and 60s. They tried to break it again in the 1960s and 70s. They are not going to be satisfied until they break it, because what they don't seem to understand is that many people in this country and more and more people in this country are not going to concede to white nationalism in the name of, quote unquote, the soul of America. There is no we, there is no soul. And I really, I for one, encourage them to keep it up to keep it up, because Sam Alito don't carry no weight in North Philly, he don't carry none in Southeast D.C., and he better have an armed guard out there at Supreme Court, because I'm not saying anything violent will happen to him, but there is no respect for the rule of law when there is not a basic humanity at the center of that concept, and all of world history teaches us that. All right, folks, gotta go to a break. Uh, we come back more on Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, including... Um, Coolio passing away at the age of 59. Uh, hurricane hitting Florida, now on its way to Georgia. Uh, loss of death. But you know what's also interesting? Don't y'all find interesting? All these Republicans. Now all of a sudden, thank you, President Biden, for that federal aid. The same federal aid they complain about when other people get it. See, it's amazing what happens when stuff happens to you. Now, all of a sudden, you want that money. Mm-hmm. Download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Also, join our Brina Funk fan club, send check or money orders to P.O. Box 57196. Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zell, rolling at rollinsmartin.com. Rolling at rollinsmartinunfiltered.com. If you're on YouTube uh, and also other platforms, hit the like button and the share button, okay? We should easily be at 1,000 on all the platforms. And, of course, don't get, forget to get your copy of White Fear. The Brown of America is making white folks lose their minds every time something happens. All I keep saying is hashtag we tried to tell you. Uh, get it at Ben Bella Books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Indie uh, Brand, Indie Bound, uh, Bookshop Chapters, Books a Million, Target. Also, if you want to go order from a black bookstore, do that to support black bookstores. You can also download it from Audible. I'll be right back. When we invest in ourselves, 
our glow, our vision, our vibe. We all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we've seen shock. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. When we invest in ourselves... We all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. Hi, I'm Gavin Houston. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Grammy-winning musician Coolio, born artist Leon Ivey Jr., uh, suddenly passed away yesterday at the age of 59. No official word on his cause of death, but it's believed he died of a heart attack. Reports say emergency responders answered a call at 4 p.m. for a medical emergency. They found Coolio unresponsive and performed resuscitation efforts for approximately 45 minutes, but he could not be revived. Coolio released eight solo studio albums. He is best known for his Grammy-winning song, Gangsta's Paradise, which was on the soundtrack for Dangerous Minds. His talents reached far beyond the music as he wrote and performed the theme song for the, uh, uh, for the Keenan and Ke- Kel show. Uh, he starred in several films like Batman and Robin, Get Over It, and Daredevil. In 2008, he starred in his family's reality TV show, Coolio's Rules. His longtime manager, Jerez Posey, released this statement yesterday. We are saddened by the loss of our dear friend and client, Coolio, who passed away this afternoon. He touched the world the gift of his talent and will be missed profoundly. Thank you to everyone who has listened to his music and everyone who has been reaching out regarding his passing. Please have Coolio's loved ones in your thoughts and prayers. He was 59 years old. Now, folks, that is something that is, um, you know, think about it when you look at his death and DMX and so many others. Uh, a number of black artists uh, who have passed away in their 50s, even before they reached the age of 60. In fact, in the past couple of years, we've seen uh, a dramatic increase. Here's a graphic of some of those folks, okay, right there. Uh, Malik B, 47, DMX, 50, Black Rob, 52, Prince Marky D, 52, Kango Kia, 55, Biz Marky, 57, Shock G, 57, Coolio, as I said, 59, and Hub, 62 years old. Now, a nationwide National Institutes of Health study has found that black populations have far shorter life expectancy than white folks. For black men in the U.S., our life expectancy is four years shorter at 74 years old than white men. Joining me now to talk about this is Dr. Garfield A. Curtis, the newly elected 123rd president of the National Medical Association, a professional and scientific organization representing the interests of more than 50,000 African-American physicians. Uh, Doc, glad to have you here. So, I mean, when you, when you, when you see that list, when you see, I mean, individuals uh, passing 20 years um, before the average life expectancy, um, what does that tell you? What does that say about what's happening with uh, the health of black men in this country? Well, good morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good afternoon, uh, Roland. Thank you for having me on. Um, you know, um, when you think about the uh, stress 
and the life that uh, black people have to go through in general, it's not, it is not um, unfathomable to think that the lifespan would be shorter than whites. I mean, blacks uh, and people of color tend to um, live in communities that are underserved in terms of health care, in terms of um, quality of air, in terms of, um, you know, places to, to, to exercise, places to walk around safely. And so it's not surprising that um, lifespan may be lower because your body needs exercise, your body needs clean air, your body needs clean water. And I think these things all affect life expectancy significantly. And um, when we talk about that, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, when we think about drinking, we think about smoking, we think about uh, uh, just, just so many other things. And so um, what are your fellow doctors saying uh, that we should be doing to counter this? Well, I think that what we have to realize is that prevention is better than treatment. And so we have to continue to advocate and educate our patients on exercise and good habits in terms of eating. You know, the National Medical Association, every year uh, we do something called Walk a Mile with a Child, which is a uh, community event we do um, depending on where our convention is. Last This past summer our convention was in Atlanta and we did it in uh, Independence Park. And um, what it's essentially designed to is to educate the population on healthy eating, healthy exercise, very simple things that you can do, jumping in place, walking, jogging, and also the um, benefits of, you know, just simple water over having drinks with a lot of sugar in them. Um, and so what we as physicians do and continue to do and need to, you know, need to enhance is um, that kind of education to our patients because, again, sometimes in the areas where we live, it's very difficult. There, there are no safe playgrounds. There may not be, you know, safe sidewalks. There may not, not be safe communities. And so we just have to continue to educate patients on what they can do in their environment to stay healthy. One of the other issues, obviously, uh, the imp how we are impacted by stress. Absolutely. I didn't get there yet, but that's absolutely right. So you, you talked about this study showing that the life expectancy is uh, four years, four plus years lower. But then added stress decreases it even much more. Stress decreases your life expectancy at least uh, two to three years. So you can add another, you know, you can add, put seven years on that instead of four. Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, it's not surprising, like I said, because of some of the environments that we have to function in and live within. Uh, questions from our panel. Jason, I'll start with you. So um, uh, one of the things, I guess, uh, I'll start with a statement, and that is that, you know, if you go to certain particular areas, like I was looking at Philadelphia, for example, where the life expectancy for a black male in Philadelphia is 69. So you barely get to, to actually, uh, to, you know, get your Social Security uh, before you're already uh, on your way to, to passing. My, my question is, um, how exactly do you expect policy to affect this, or, or what policies do you advocate in order to uh, change this trend, particularly after COVID? Right. So the National Medical Association, we have, uh, we have what's called a House of Delegates, and we discuss these issues uh, throughout the year, and we bring policy um, positions to the House of Delegates for the organization to uh, uh, pass, uh, sort of vote on and pass. And so one of the things we've done recently was we have a gun violence task. Uh, it used to be a task force. Now it's a council. And their council is focused on um, 
common sense gun laws, um, uh, advocating for not chill, chill uh, excuse me, adults younger than 18 not having, uh, be, being able to have a gun, because I think violence has a lot to do with the decreased life expectancy that we see, especially with black males. Um, and so that's one of the ways we do it. We also work with our partners with the Congressional Black Caucus to talk about, you know, again, healthy lifestyles, talk about our moms uh, who are dying in childbirth, how to educate themselves on what to do. Um, but, um, but I think a lot of gun violence uh, is, is, is one of the problems. And then, you know, again, healthy eating, cardiovascular disease is one of the most common things in the, in the African-American community, and that is killing us. And cardiovascular disease comes from poor eating, uh, it comes from stress. Uh, it comes from smoking. So we also advocate to to um, decrease those sort of things in your lifestyle. Um, that's why I'm a huge advocate, just cussing folk out, just to keep <laughs> your blood pressure down. Great. But the food is so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. That's funny, Roland. No question. I guess the spirit of Reese is strong here tonight. No, that's <laughs> but Dr. Clooney, thank you, of course, and of course the the NMA, one of our foundational kind of bedrock organizations. Um, I'm thinking about, as, as Roland raised the issue of stress, um, some of the small things we might be able to do to relieve stress. I'm thinking about a colleague of ours at Howard, uh, Jules Harrell, okay. who has you know, spent his career studying this. Okay. And like an encounter with the police, something as simple as just that, that, that little, little shock to the system. Uh, can, you know, affect, you know, taking a few seconds, maybe out the end of your life, the way I hear Jules talk about it. I'm wondering if you think that there are uh, techniques that we might be able to practice in terms of mindfulness, meditation, calming, breathing exercises. I mean, this is something that doesn't cost anything. You know, you can be in a food desert and still do that. Any any suggestions on micro techniques we might be able to uh, to, to take up? Yeah, I mean, I think you said it right there. Um, you know, I'm not, it's not my, my area's expertise. I'm, I'm a high-risk obstetrician, but I do believe in um, the, um, the benefits of uh, meditation and sort of um, planning your life and thinking it through um, and just being still for, for some times. But again, you know, in our community, it, it's not so simple. Um, there, there are a lot of, you know, alternate issues to deal with in terms of, you know, community issues. And, uh, but definitely, you know, meditation, everyone can benefit from that. And I think that is creeping into the medical uh, curriculum more and more. Um, and so I hope that does continue. Yambi? Hi, Dr. Clooney. I'm curious about how this, these individual choices coupled with these systemic things are being addressed, in particular around medical education and how we perhaps, you know, steer people away from or into medical offices, right? Sometimes people have a bad experience and they don't want to go to the doctor anymore or they don't feel like they're listened to, right? There's some evidence that when Black people complain about pain or other things, they're dismissed. So how do we take a more proactive step so that we can get people into primary care doctors on a regular basis to get physical so that we can maybe catch things earlier as opposed to responding to them when we're in a crisis, if we have an opportunity to respond at all. Right. Well, you know, I think um, there's a lot of data that shows that um, Black patients do better with Black physicians. Um, so we have to advocate uh, for uh, uh, physicians, Black and female, excuse me, uh, male and female uh, 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 students going into medicine and, and helping them through that pathway. But um, as the as the NMA, we're the trusted messengers, and we have to 
and we have been partnering with churches, community leaders, uh, community service agencies to get the information out to patients about things like screening, um, how to how to how to eat right because we know that um, a lot of times there are not good supermarkets in the area that serve good that, that um, have good foods available, but we have to partner with those kinds of people because uh, the clergy and community workers are probably the most trusted as trusted as physicians, and we have to let them know that we're partners with them and we hear them. I was talking to a physician. Um, today I'm at the Congressional Black Caucus meeting and she said she had gone to a church and she just talked a little bit about cardiovascular disease and the way she broke it down for the congregation, she said her office was flooded the next few weeks because people thought that she was someone who understood them, understood the food they ate and why, the food they eat rather, and and, and um, how to adjust, you know, for that. Sometimes we go to uh, physicians who mean well, but sometimes, you know, not culturally competent or culturally sensitive, and they just don't understand that um, it's not so easy to, to, you know, to get yogurt and, you know, and get fresh <laughs> all the time. Um, and so we, as the NMA, again, you know, we have to, we do a partner with uh, community service um, workers and churches. And we're also, we're also starting to expand a little bit to partner with industry as well to sort of put out um, better foods, low, lower foods that are lower in sugar, um, and have those foods available to these communities and at an affordable price, because we also know that's a big problem. Um, you may have, uh, well, we talk about food, um, food deserts, but, you know, they also talk about a food mirage, you know, because what's the sense of having a Whole Foods in your neighborhood if you can't afford anything in there, you know? And so nothing against Whole Foods, of course, but, you know, an expensive supermarket, <laughs> supermarket that can, you know, um, it, that takes a lot when you have so many other bills to pay for. It's very difficult. It becomes very difficult. So we, as the NMA, try to um, get the word out that way through the community um, that, you know, preventative care uh, is good and getting into physicians or getting them to physicians who they can trust is good as well. All right, then, Dr. Clooney, we shall appreciate it. Uh, thanks a bunch and good luck in your new term. All right. Thank you so much. All right, then. Look forward to having you back on the show. All right, folks, let's go to a break. We come back, our Black and Missing uh, for the day. And we'll also uh, talk about more news of the day, including the need for Texas, uh, Tennessee State University uh, to, to get the $500 million they are actually owed. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually owe a hell of a lot more money than that. Uh, this is a continuing thing we're seeing uh, where HBCUs, public H, publicly funded HBCUs, are fighting their states uh, to get that money. And we'll talk about that next. Download the Black Star Network app, folks, all platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Also, join our Brina Fuck fan club. All the platforms, uh, of course, so you can support us uh, by saying check of money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered, PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered, Venmo's RM Unfiltered, Zale, rolling at rollinsmartin.com, rolling at rollinmartinunfiltered.com. We'll be right back. When we invest in ourselves... We're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves that move us all forward. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, African-Americans have an average student loan balance of more than $30,000. Student loan forgiveness has been a long time coming. The Biden administration has introduced a new program 
that's going to allow you to have almost or up to $20,000 forgiven. I think that the Biden administration, um, by implementing this plan, is admitting that there have been several serious faults within the higher education financing system and that this plan is a step in the right direction. That's on the next Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Hey everybody, it's your man Fred Hammond. Hi, my name is Brisha Webb, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Ow. Well, I like a nice filter usually, but we can be unfiltered. Folks, Honesty Jones was last seen in, Dal uh, in Dallas, Oregon on August 24th. Yes, Dallas, Oregon. Uh, the 15-year-old, folks, is 5 feet 2 inches tall, weighs, weighs 126 pounds, has brown hair dyed orange, and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Honesty Jones should call the Portland, Oregon Police Department at Folks, it is always about the money. Always about the money. We're seeing that, of course, uh, when it comes to our publicly funded HBCUs. Look, there are 107 HBCUs in the United States. Not all of them are private. Places like Tennessee State, Jackson State, Texas Southern University, uh, Florida A&M, uh, the number of them are publicly funded HBCUs. Now, remember we were talking about uh, the COVID funds, the American Rescue Act, all of those different bills that were being passed, and how much money 
was going to HBCUs, you might recall when I walked you through those numbers and we showed how these HBCUs have been receiving sometimes three and four times more money from the federal government than what was being allocated by their own states. Tennessee State is one of those universities. Uh, we told you about uh, a state committee that went through and they determined that uh, Tennessee State, in their estimation, had been cheated out of some five hundred million dollars over the years by the Tennessee legislature. This is not a new concept. You also might recall uh, that uh, uh, Alvin Chambliss led the lawsuit against uh, the HBCUs in Mississippi that was a groundbreaking legal decision. The decision in Maryland when that lawsuit was filed lasted some 13 years before they finally were able to achieve the settlement and have the money that was approved by the legislature. Uh, you also have had, uh, now, of course, we talked about um, earlier this week, uh, we had the lawyers on where a group of students are suing the state of Florida uh, for money they say is owed to Florida A&M, estimates of anywhere from $1.3 billion to $2 billion. So what's happening there in Tennessee State? Let's now, Texas, Tennessee lawmakers approve a quarter of a million dollars of funding in March but have not made any effort uh, to, again, to give that money to Tennessee State. Tennessee State also has more than $300 million in deferred maintenance because of previous underfunding issues with the state. The HBCU also is experiencing historic first-year student enrollment, but lacks the funding to provide adequate on-campus housing for students. Some students are staying in hotels up to 12 miles from campus. Joining us now is Reverend Jeff Carr, founder of the Infinity Fellowship uh, Church in Nashville, Tennessee, cum laude graduate of Tennessee State University. Of course, a brother of uh, Dr. Greg Carr, also a Tennessee State graduate as well. You know, one of the things that, that we have talked about on this show, and, I, and we went over this last uh, week, uh, you've got about 228, 230,000 uh, students who are enrolled in HBCUs. About 20% of those students are non-black. Some are 1.5 to 1.6 million who are enrolled in PWIs. And, you know, Scott Bowden made a, when we were talking about this last week, he said, hey, if all of the, if, if the black students at PWIs decide to go to HBCUs, they literally would not know where to place them. When I was a scholar in the Re Revis Mitchell Scholar in Residence at Fisk University, uh, I was talking to then President Van Newkirk, and he was talking about uh, that you got alumni saying, man, you know, you know gotta, we should be building more dorms as opposed to building uh, uh, new uh, learning centers. And he said, wait a minute. He said other schools are going to uh, online learning. He said, we got to re rethink what's happening here. And so to that point, Jeff, what we're seeing is all of the attention, all of the focus, and it's renewed focus of folks who say, let's go send our kids to HBCUs. That's a flip side to that when, they, when folks show up, and I talked to some folks who showed up at Morehouse, and they were like, uh, where's our housing? We're, I mean, I've heard other people at various HBCUs literally say when it's time, when, it, when, it, when they are flying in or driving in, and they get there, and they're dealing with, there's no place for the students to stay. Yeah, and Roland, you absolutely nailed it. That's the situation here, right down the street from where I am right now. 
uh, about a mile down the street and also half a mile. There are three brand new hotels that can't even bring tourists in because they are booked up holding some of the 3,900 students in the entering freshman class at Tennessee State University, the largest class in the school's history. We also have the largest class in the school's history at uh, nearly 1,400 down the street at Fisk University, and it is about capacity. When we talk about this issue, though, we got to see the long history of what's been going on here. And it started with the 1862 Morrill Act, which created created the land-grant institutions and the predominantly white institutions at that ca in that case, moving up to the uh, uh, 1890 land-grant institutions that included 19 state schools that became the predominantly African-American or HBCU schools there. The rules were different, though. When we had the 1862 uh, issue that uh, land-grant come up, the match was provided by the state. So if the federal dollars came in, they came in at 100 percent match with the state. When the 1890 land-grant institutions came along, they were allowed to claim a waiver that gave only 50 percent of a match to the institutions that came. So you've got the inability to make this match that goes on for 100 years. 1957 to 2007, in the case of Tennessee State University, our alma mater here, you have an exception that came out of a 1913 rule that allowed the state of Tennessee to only provide one-third of the match and to ask for a waiver there. So you see institutions like UT and Knoxville, when you hear people talk about the Vols and Go Big Orange, they have been operating for years, for a, for a, de for a century nearly, with three times the amount of allocation from a federal institution because the state decided to squeeze out this HBCU. We see this replicated all across the country. What the Joint Legislative Committee discovered about three years ago when they met here in Tennessee was that Tennessee State was owed $540 million, half a billion dollars, that had been held back. This is not money that was just coming in surplus. This is money that was being deliberately held back by the state of Tennessee. So when this was announced uh, for the last year since the Chronicle of Higher Education had a really good article that explored the history of how these schools are underfunded, uh, this money has been allocated in part. So in the 2022-2023 fiscal year budget that started July, uh, uh, 5th, July 1st, the state of Tennessee allocated a little over $300 million to Tennessee State. Uh, that has been celebrated by some people, but it's almost too little too late when you bring about the issues of deferred maintenance, when you bring about the visioning process and how do you look for growth in the future. If you're out of funds, you can't build the capacity to, right. to embrace the people who are coming. Absolutely. And, uh, and we're talking about... Um, just like we're talking about on the athletic side, uh, universities are in an arms race. They are in an arms race where they are having to build new buildings, uh, ex expand real estate. Uh, and it, so, so it's one thing for people to tout, hey, let's see more of our kids.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Let's go to HBCUs. But guess what happens? This group of students, they ain't, they ain't just going for, hey, we giving the old college try. They're saying, yo, where's the Wi-Fi? Where's the 5G? Uh, they are not, I mean, they are demanding, uh, they're, they're demanding things, and they're coming from homes where they got stuff. And so the reality is, I was uh, last week at HBCU week here in D.C. Uh, I was not uh, there. It was a an event, Robert Smith, uh, our alpha brother, was doing, where they talked about uh, HBCUs being tech deserts. Uh, that some, and I saw one story where it says 82% of HBCUs are not on part of where they should be technology-wise. And so what happens? Students are showing up, 
They, had, they don't want to hear nothing about, hey, well, our, our system is not this here. You see some attacks on, on uh, systems. Uh, Howard experienced that last year, uh, and that thing went on for a very, very long time, still trying to recover from that. When you have these cyber attacks, you've got to have the resources for people to recover from that. And so, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is a dire situation. And, and the thing that, that Jeff, for me, I, I keep trying... Uh, to get folks to focus on it. And, and I haven't checked this. Um, but when I look at a lot, of, a lot of these sessions here, doing Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, ALC, it, it, the thing for me, I keep, look, I, I keep saying this, and I know folks like Roland White keep doing I keep saying, where's the money? Meaning, it's great to have these sessions talking about this. If every session ain't dealing with money in some capacity, we're not having the American conversation. Oh, no, we're not. You know, everything has to produce something. And when we talk about money and equity, and we've had this conversation here for a long time, we've got to see production. Uh, see, what happens is we get into these circles and we feel really, really, really good, uh, and we make each other feel as if we're doing big things by affirming each other. I think that's important, affirming the work we're doing in policy, affirming uh, having a record number of elected officials in any given city. But the reality is, and I hope you don't mind, I know you don't mind if I'm frank, that if you're just feeling good but producing nothing, there's a word for that, masturbation. Right? That's just making yourself feel good without producing anything. The money is what is needed. Let's take, for instance, 2019 on the campus of Tennessee State University. There was a lightning strike. And because there was no improvement in the infrastructure, because of this 50 years of disinvestment from the state of Tennessee, students went without lights, they went without hot water for a time, they signed a petition, they had to protest. These are the things that I was doing over 30 years ago when we shut the campus down as student government president. These are the same issues that my brother was dealing with three years earlier when he was student government president and leading marches to the Board of Regents on Murfreesboro Road. All of this comes down to are you going to prioritize this money? The political will has to be in place. Understand the context that we're speaking in. The state of Tennessee, land-grant institution, University of Tennessee, about three and a half uh, hours down the road in Knoxville, Tennessee, they decided that they wanted to create a domed stadium. They wanted to enclose it and add another 10, 20,000 seats so that they could do what they do at UT, which is play football and scream and holler. State of Tennessee said, how much would it cost? Well, about $240 million. Okay, no problem. During that same stretch, people, including this, the voices on this show, people in uh, the Chronicle of Higher Education, people in national media have been saying, what about the land-grant money that's owed to Tennessee State? Oh, we'll get around to that. I will say, though, that the combined voices that we've seen on programs like these put the public pressure in place that was necessary to force the state of Tennessee to begin doling out this money. And while we are in affirmation, it is an affirmation of a confirmation of what is owed as opposed to a celebration. So we shouldn't, we're not ready to get all up in our feelings and celebrate because it's as if somebody, you borrowed somebody, somebody borrowed $10,000 from you 10 years ago and didn't pay it back. And then they show up with the money. Oh, you're not going to turn a backflip. You're going to say, man, you, you, okay, great. You owed me this. Good. Now what's next? So for us, who, for those of us who've been following HBCUs, the key now 
is to make sure that we are ever mindful. It's time for us to stay vigilant because once uh, money begins to be released, as it started to be released back in July in this year's fiscal budget, we have to make sure that this doesn't happen again because if we don't stay on the wall, if we don't stay focused on the money, if we don't stay focused on the resources and keep amplifying those voices, what is going to happen? Another 50-year gap yep. holding back money occurs. So, um, uh, Greg, today um, uh, the Alphas, Alpha Fraternity, had their luncheon at the Renaissance Hotel, and I was a keynote speaker. Folks, if you missed it, go to the Black Star Network app, go to our YouTube channel. You can actually see uh, the program. You can see my speech. And I, I started my speech this way. I said, turn to the person to your left or to your right and ask them, uh, you ran the yard, but who's running your city? And what I was getting at, and what was the, 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 the thesis of my speech, was that we have all of this black institutional, organizational infrastructure that I believe is not being properly deployed. So when I, when I see what's happening there at Tennessee State, the first thing that comes to my mind is where, and, and if these things have happened, y'all let me know. Please show me where there has been, well, first of all, I know it ain't happened, but please show me the Jitter 6 size rally that civil rights leaders, D9 leaders, Divine Nine, Prince Hall, and see, this is the other mistake that black people make. We love talking about what the frats and sororities are not doing, but let me go ahead and extend it. Where's Prince Hall Masons? Where's Eastern Star? Where are the links? I need to understand when was the 50,000 people rally at the state capitol saying, where the money? See, that's, I, I keep coming back to that, Greg, because we cannot continue to say, well, you know, it's a shame these things happen. We know we got to yell, holler, scream, cuss folk out. But what I don't understand is, what, where's the Tennessee State Conference and LACP? Derek Johnson, where are you? Mark Morial, Sharpton, I can go down the line. See, to me, it should be, we go to Tennessee and get that money. We go to North Carolina and get that money. Absolutely. We go to Texas and get that money. It shouldn't be the lawyers have to take 13 years to get the money in Maryland. Yes. Yes. Well, Roland, I mean, you know, it's difficult because this is a symptom of a much deeper problem. Um, higher education costs have skyrocketed. The public HBCUs are, are definitely a lot cheaper than the private ones. But the simple fact of the matter is that in Tennessee, as in so many places in the United States, the shift now has been toward two-year colleges, toward um dual enrollment programs and advanced credit programs at the high school level. And, and then part of that is to try to work around the, the, the skyrocketing costs of higher education. 
Now, when you talked earlier about the students who just won't be satisfied when they come to an HBCU and they don't have the same amenities that they might have, say, right up the road at Middle Tennessee State University, which was created in part so that Middle Tennessee could have a university that wasn't run by black people. Of course, Tennessee State comes a few years later. What you see is that a lot of black folk now, like those students, aren't really thinking like they are part of a community, which would trigger kind of activism. All those lawsuits you talked about, our friend Alvin Chambliss and, and Ayers versus Fordyce, which goes back to 1975, the Geyer case in, in Tennessee with Tennessee State that goes back to the late 60s, uh, the Knight versus Alabama case from 1981 with Alabama State and Alabama A&M. You know, that was a generation, maybe even the last generation, of black professionals who saw themselves as going into their professions literally to represent and fight for our communities. So what are we faced with now? The state of Tennessee is so incredibly gerrymandered that there will be no legislature movement unless there are mass movements, as you say, in the streets. And there should be pressure put on by all the so-called black professionals, whether they be in fraternities and sororities, uh, Masons, Eastern Stars, church folk, however you name it. They would have to actually look backward to when generations of folk in those positions did exercise their strength. We have more elected officials now than we've had in any time in American history, and they seem to be less effectual. That, in part, is because having lifted the veil of apartheid and Jim Crow in this, in this country, it seems that this community, this black community we have, is continuing to dissolve. And I think what Derek Johnson, if they're going to file a Title VI claim in Mississippi to deal with this water issue, they can certainly follow Alvin Chambliss and file a Title VI the way they did in Ayers versus Fordyce to address the effects of past discrimination. That's the kind of lawsuit that lawyers in Tennessee need to reinvigorate themselves and pursue, even as folk get out in the street. See, the thing that, um, and, and it was interesting, because, you know, when, when I started um, in the um, it was people, they were in the room, they were like, ooh. I was like, well, let me be real clear. Uh, if y'all thought I was coming here uh, and was not going to make y'all really uncomfortable, then y'all should have invited somebody else, uh, because, uh, I, I'm not interested being here at CBC uh, and folk patting uh, ourselves on our backs uh, and somehow just just being all happy. Um, I, I talk about MLK's uh, book, uh, Where Do We Go From Here, A Chaos of Community, all the time uh, because he lays out what is necessary. Uh, and in that particular book, he says this. And I think it ties directly into how do we get the money? And yes, uh, this is my actual copy, which is why you see the highlighted portions. Uh, he said, there are already structured forces in the Negro community that can serve as the basis for building a powerful united front. The Negro church, the Negro press, the Negro fraternities and sororities, and Negro professional associations. But this is the line which I think is most important. King wrote, we must admit that these forces have never given their full resources to the cause of Negro liberation. There are still too many Negro churches that are so absorbed in a future good over yonder that they condition their members to adjust to the present evils over here. Uh, too many Negro newspapers have veered away from their traditional role as protest organs agitating for social change and have turned to the sensational and the conservative in place of the substantive and the militant. 
Too, too many Negro and professional groups have degenerated. Too many Negro social and professional groups have degenerated into snobbishness and a preoccupation with frivolities and trivial activity. But the failures of the past must not be an excuse for the inaction of the present and the future. These groups must be mobilized and motivated. That right there is what I'm talking about here. And so if we see that there's an HBCU that is owed $500 million, I don't understand for the life of me how these organizations are not saying we need to put on something major and go into Tennessee and serve notice. We want that check. And let me go ahead and say this right now. All of y'all ADOS, FBA, B1 folk who holler, cut the check, y'all ain't saying a goddamn thing about Tennessee State and the 500 million. It's amazing. I don't see none of y'all talking about the students at Florida A&M filing the lawsuit. So when y'all say cut the check, which check? <laughs> and yeah, I'm calling you out by name, and I don't give a damn if you little fake-ass YouTubers make your own videos, but I keep telling y'all, y'all be running y'all damn miles yelling about reparations when is this not a form of it? How do you not fight for this? It's, all, it's that they owe them $500 million. But some of y'all spending more damn time fighting with white supremacists pissed off that Lizzo used the damn flute of a, of a slaveholder <laughs> than talking about the 500 million. That, Neom, is what pisses me off. We ain't focused on the money. Well, I mean, I think you, you're talking about the fact that there are lots of side conversations that are just distractions. And I think possibly what's happening here is when we even think about this in the form of reparations, right? We only talk about reparations in one way. And I've always said there can be multiple claims. And this is a claim, right? One of very many that we could all be making. And not just about slavery either, right? There are all kinds of ways that inequity... Yeah, the aftermath of slavery, Jim Crow. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And now, right, this is even, you know, post Jim Crow with these Tennessee State um, uh, faculty, students, staff, and that university is experiencing. So there are so many different kinds of rights claims could be made. But I also think, Roland, the problem that this is, this is encountering or this issue is encountering is we don't think about this as a civil rights issue in the same way that we think about, say, voting rights or other kinds of things, right? When we saw the George Floyd protest, right? Ultimately, that's a, a civil rights issue, and we can frame it a bunch of different ways. This is no different, but we don't talk about it with the same level of urgency urgency and the same level of, of preoccupation and concern. Even this discussion about Jackson and the lack of water there, Flint, Newark. I mean, we can go on and on and on about all of the issues that are facing Black communities everywhere that are not just, you know, sort of, you know, behind us or to come, but are very real, very present. And yet we don't see the full weight of Black communities coming out against them. And I don't think that this is because we don't think enough about these things. I just don't know that we are always compartmentalizing these things in the same bucket, right? So water just doesn't seem to to carry the same weight as something where we have this spectacular image, right, of a death or some other such thing. And so I think when you talk about this $500 million, which is not, you know, 
a, a made up amount of money. It's an actual very real thing that we know that we can calculate that's tangible. People don't seem to see that as sexy or as interesting because it feels small. But when we think about something as magnificent as the civil rights movement and all the images in our head about that thing, that grand narrative, right, that all these people just happen to come to the March on Washington one day, right? We forget that it was a bunch of small events, this series of local and state-level events that got us there. And so when we have to think about the Tennessees and the Jacksons and all of these places where Black needs are going unmet, and that requires a lot of our attention and all of our focus. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't laugh and we can't joke and we can't have fun, but we also have to recognize that many of the things that we're facing are not just about elections, are not just about police death, but we should also be thinking about the environment, right? We, we're seeing this flooding happening right now in Naples, Florida, but when we think about disaster and who's most open to disaster, it's Black folks, right? When we think about life expectancy and who's going to die, it's us. When we're thinking about who is going into debt to get an education to still make less than most of our counterparts who are white, even the ones without college educations, it's us. So there are lots of issues that we just don't see in this pantheon of being about our rights and rights claims that I think are... That's why it's sort of short-circuiting that activism and that effort that we talk about. And then just the fact that people sometimes don't want to do anything, in part because they feel overwhelmed. But then some parts, people feel like, well, I got mine. I don't I don't have to be thinking about these things. I don't have to participate in this kind of stuff anymore. Jason, um, Greg and Niamh probably remember this very vividly when uh, the heat pumps at Howard University uh, went out. They couldn't have class uh, for, for quite some it. time. H had to go to Congress to get an emergency allocation because uh, it was so cold. Uh, again, those pumps under the, under the ground uh, went out. That's the kind of infrastructure stuff we're talking about. And this is the reality because students at Jackson State are experiencing it. You can't go to school without no damn water. In fact, I was getting text messages that there were some Jackson State students who literally were going home because they could not survive uh, uh, being there because of the water issue. And I, I just think that it, 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 it just bugs the hell out of me when I look at mass gatherings mm. and I look at the conversations we have and I just ask myself, okay, all right, so how are we not mobilizing? That's a great point uh, you made. Okay, so the NAACP filed that um, whatever the, the whatever the complaint they filed uh, with the feds about uh, the money um, that the governor not giving the money to the city of Jackson. Okay. I don't, Jeff or Greg, maybe y'all can tell me, have y'all actually seen a statement from the national NAACP about the $500 million old Tennessee state? No, I haven't seen one. No, Roland. But I tell I tell you this though, and Jeff mentioned when, when I was student body president, uh, there was a Democratic candidate for governor, Ned Ray McWhorter. Um, mm -hmm. He won that election. We he asked us for an endorsement. These are college undergraduate students. It's a very different time, and part of the reason was 
that Jesse Jackson was running for president. Jesse Jackson came to the campus of Tennessee State University, held a press conference with us in the student center. During his presidential campaign, what you had was a national-level politician making a demand that forced a candidate for governor to listen to us. And after he won, after McWhorter won that election, he invited me down and he and I sat in the governor's office in the capital of the state of Tennessee to talk about resources for Tennessee State and what could happen. Well, what you're saying, Roland, is not only not only the MACP, where in the hell is the vice president of the United States? Where in the hell are the elected politicians? Jesse Jackson, people can say what they want to about him, but let's be very clear about this and and in the obby you know as recently as last year when he came to the students enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm signing up and playing is so easy simply sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matter more than ever place your money line prop and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi on a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Blackburn. That is that is what we have to expect of these people rather than just have us celebrate when they win a damn election. 
Absolutely. Jason, yeah. uh, Jason, what, what this requires is what Greg just talked about, is how you marshal your forces to bring attention. So when Reverend Barber and the Poor People's Campaign and others went to Jackson, you, you brought attention on Jackson. Okay, that was Monday. Okay, what's next? For me, it's the what's next. Why, for me, when it comes to this show, same thing. We're gonna keep putting attention on this thing. It was amazing all the black people it was amazing, all the black people, I'm talking to a bunch of y'all watching the show right now, y'all had a whole lot to say when a white comptroller of Tennessee took over the finances of that small black town. Mm -hmm. In fact, if I check my numbers, that town may be smaller than the student population at Tennessee State. Yeah, but is. a whole bunch of folk had a whole lot to say. I mean, they would tweet me like crazy. Roland, you got had this on your show. I ain't seen none of those tweets saying, where the 500 million? See, Jason, that's, that's what bothers me when our energy is so high on that Tennessee story, but we ain't saying nothing about the 500 million for Tennessee State. Well, I'm gonna do a quick plug for Roland Martin Unfiltered and say that this is probably a story that I would have missed. I wouldn't have heard about this. I heard about what was going on in Maryland because I'm in Maryland. But I think a lot of us are actually missing the stories. When I look at the, the, the uh, link that I read this from, it wasn't a big national news outlet. This is what makes Roland Martin Unfiltered and Black-owned media so important is that it brings it to the fore and maybe and hopefully some uh, people who are uh, have big followings will start to push it out there. We, they'll actually get some mobilization and some action. Um, it's funny because, to me, when I think about a couple of years ago when I was debating, uh, you know, the Trump people, they would always say Trump funded HBCUs. He gave Damn lie. Damn lie. That's a lie. But... Here you are, you have one HBCU out of 107, right? And they are owed double the amount that he's talking about, funding them with. They are owed 500 million just themselves. And again, I, I know I've seen what, what's happened at Howard University uh, all the time when, when their, their students aren't getting their financial aid. I had cousins that went to Howard University and their the, uh, circumstances within their dorms were, were atrocious. You know, I, there's... And this is Howard University. This is probably the most well-known HBCU. And, of course, this was before uh, the vice president was in office. But it is, you know, uh, uh, home to some of the more powerful members of our government, our, our, H, our Howard University graduates. And if they don't have the resources, then I'm... You know, until we mobilize, we're going to see universities like Tennessee State are going to fall under the cracks. So it's important that we get this news out there. It's important that you're talking about it, that you're giving speeches about it, and that you put pressure on uh, the Al Sharptons of the world or the people who have uh, audiences and want to say that they are black leaders. It's good that we call them out because mainstream media isn't picking this story up. And they don't feel pressured. 
But of course, something I think something that Niambi was saying actually made a lot of sense. We are putting out a lot of fires at once. I find water to be one of the biggest ones because everybody needs water to, to drink, to bathe, to do all the necessities that we need in life. Um, so I, I think I look at a water crisis just like I look at uh, somebody being killed by the police and maybe even more because it's actually you can't actually play it off as a, as uh, affecting one person or a few people. It's something that affects an entire uh, community. Um, and I think that it's important that we don't let these things slip through the cracks. These are our youth. This is the, the next generation. We have to actually uh, push our elected officials. And, and again, it needs to be part of a larger black agenda uh, that goes before the president of the United States, the governor of each state, as Greg was, as uh, Dr. Carr was just talking about. Um, we need it to actually leverage this. And I understand that a lot of Democrats go around and they say, well, you don't have a choice. You either vote for me or you vote for a Republican. We need to be like, look, we'll primary you. We'll put up another candidate. You know, we're willing to actually primary you, even if you're an incumbent. And, you know, I think that, that we need to start playing hardball to get exactly what it is we want. As we just said in the last segment, Republicans stay playing hardball. They play hardball with their own. We saw the, the Tea Party movement. They primaried their own. You know, we see what, what the Trump movement does when somebody disagrees no, with no, Trump. No, 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 but, I, 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 but here's the whole deal, though, Jason. I, I, I get that in terms of targeting politicians. I totally understand that. But, 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 but what I'm talking about here is, and, 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 and the reason I want to separate the two, I want to separate them for a reason. I want to separate them for a reason because what I am, what I am, tr what I'm talking about is what is the purpose of having vertical and horizontal infrastructure and is untapped? and it's unused. So imagine, so again, this is just sort of how I look at it. And maybe, Jeff, I'm the crazy one. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe I've spent way too much time studying um, black organizations, studying um, mobilizations, studying uh, how movements were created to understand that when all of a sudden, if, and, 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 I, and I'm not even saying all these groups do this every single day. What I'm, like, I literally just, just, just for everybody to understand, I just sent a text message to 18 civil rights leaders and pastors saying, where in the hell y'all at on this Tennessee money? Where y'all at? Mm -hmm. Because if all of a sudden it's, yo, next month, we go to Tennessee for the 500 million. January, we going here. February, we going here. That doesn't take away from what you're doing every single day. What I'm saying is, now all of a sudden, you, you've got to have that level or that sense of urgency, and because guess what? Then the cameras follow. Then, then all of a sudden, it becomes a story. Uh, every black person who keep texting me, uh, why the media ain't talking about Brett Farr? How y'all want to talk about, and I ain't got no, we discussed it. Brett Favre took eight million from poor people in Mississippi. Mississippi. This is 500 million, y'all. But we got more energy 
on his white quarterback in Mississippi for $8 million than $500 million for black kids. That, to me, Greg, is like, hey, smack yourself upside the head and say, how much time are you spending on the $8 million versus the $500 million? Well, you know, there's a reason why, Roland, and it reveals priorities. It reveals our priorities. Uh, we've heard this a lot on the show, and, you know, Greg and I's parents always said that line, when you open your mouth, you put your brains on display. You absolutely show where you're coming from, you show your mentality, and you show your background and your history when your actions are present. I've been sitting here thinking, and, and it's been it's been going back and forth in my mind in a powerful way because it, this piggybacks on what uh, Brother Jason and Niambi and, and Dr. Greg were saying, what you've been saying this entire time. I asked the question that came up in my mind is, what is sexy for protest? It's sexy to jump on Brett, Brett Favre. It's uh, sexy to talk about Jackson, Mississippi, in terms of getting uh, getting a lot of people to talk. It's sexy to show up at a protest and make a lot of noise if you can get on television and you can find a way to find a self-interest in that. What do I mean by that? When I was training leadership organizers and leadership developers and community organizers, I was telling them one thing. People operate out of one urge. It's self-interest. And that can be altruistic. It can be, hey, I see people who look like me. I have empathy in my heart because I'm struggling, and I want to pour into that. It can also be, I just need to get my light bill paid. It can be somebody broke in my car. Whatever it is, you've got to find that point of self-interest. We're living in a world right now where self-interest is about likes that you can generate on the Internet. It's about followers that you can get. There you go. And it's about, honestly, especially with the younger generation, we have to build this bridge more. Everyone wants to be an activist. I removed the word activist from every bio I had because I got tired of seeing everybody who had thumbs saying I'm an activist. I changed that into actionist because for 30 years, I've built institutions. When you are in a space where you build institutions, you've done this with Black Star Network. You have built an institution that is independent. When you run independent institutions, you think differently. When you have not been in a space where right. you have run a free, independent institution, you're thinking about, in the case of Tennessee State, how do I keep my job? How do I keep favor with the governor? Right. How do I make sure I don't ruffle any feathers? And from an actionist perspective or even an activist perspective, you're thinking, what can I get out of it? I can get some fame out of pro proclaiming something is wrong in Mason, Tennessee. Then I can go to corporate America right. and I can get some money for my organization. If I get this $500 million for Tennessee State, that's not going to go to me. It's right. going to go to students. So I can't monetize that. We have to find a way to find the sweet spot where people begin to see themselves in the students at Tennessee State, in the students at Jackson State, in the students at Morgan State, as the future that we are focused on building. It's okay. when we find that point that we can find people will come out in thousands and right. rows, as they should logically do. So here's the deal. Okay, so I know the Texas legislature meets every two years. Okay, so... Um... Is there an upcoming meeting? Is there uh, a session? Is there a date? Is there anything? And so in terms of uh, what is the next step? Is it's like, like what's next? Is there a date? Is there something happening that we can sort of target? Anything like that happening, Jeff, next month, I, November, yeah. what? Right. I talked to two state legislators today. 
uh, and uh, they gave some great information and updates. Again, the money is starting to flow. We just have to make sure that we're not in the space of grace and thanksgiving and thinking that this is money that is being poured on us as opposed to money that is owed to us. They are actually right now in D.C., uh, with the with the caucus, black caucus, so no, 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 no. no. Here's, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Yeah, it, I it, see what it, you it, mean. Is there a day? Is there a day in October, or is there a day in November that can serve as a mobilization day for us to come to Nashville to make this a major issue, to hold a major rally, invite folks to to demand the state legislature allocate, don't spend $500 million on no damn stadium for the Titans, but spend $500 million on uh, uh, Tennessee State. Is there anything like that? There's no organized event that is happening. No, 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 no. State. I'm not asking about an organized event. What I'm asking, is there, is there something we can organize around? So do this here. You let me know. So if it's a day, if it's, because it's crazy in October with the elections and everything like that. But Done. So here's what we'll do. Damn the rest of these people, we'll find a day and we'll come do the show down from there and we'll create the event and then we'll see who the hell show up and then who don't. That's how it's done. You got it, brother. So let, let's it. do that because, again, they have to see several thousand black people demanding the money to have a sense of urgency to allocate the money. Yes. All right. Let me know. Well, we will let you know, man, and I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity to come back and hang with everybody from the logical to the ideological to even the biological. I appreciate you guys. Let's get some movement and keep it rolling. All right, Dr. Jeff Carr, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Folks, got to go to a quick break. We come back. We're going to talk about the high suspicion rate of black kids, especially black girls, what we can also do to change that around. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. I've always said this, rather than to continue to fight for a fair piece of the pie and, and, and the equal slice of the pie, I want my hand on a knife that cuts the pie. And to that extent, who bakes the pie? And who, who puts it in? And that's one of the things that got me involved in going into politics in the first instance. I'm tired of people making decisions for me. Right. And mine. I want to be a part of that decision-making process. And luckily, it has paid off in terms of seeing the progress that many people in America have made, particularly the people of color. One thing bothers me now that we seem to be losing that. Right. By saying that we've got to be more concerned with other people than those people who were here. We built America. When we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves that move us all forward. Together, we are black beyond measure. Hello, everyone. I'm Godfrey, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. And while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble.
Water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi, folks, is not over. Things are getting better. But remember, as we said before, they still have long-term issues happening there. Now we are seeing uh, stories where the current governor was proud of the fact that he was state treasurer. He bragged about not sending money to Jackson, Mississippi for the purpose of infrastructure. Joining us right now is the mayor of Jackson, Chokwe Lumumba. Glad to have you back on the show, Mayor Lumumba. I mean, first of all, you had this man uh, touting how he was happy not to be in Jackson, giving a speech somewhere. Now we have him on record as bragging how he kept money from coming to your city. Yeah. Well, I think that it's all uh, part and parcel of a larger narrative that, that we've been trying to speak to. Uh, not only have we been talking about plans that have been issued by every administration, uh, my predecessors included, uh, but them suggesting that there is no plan, only for us to produce what has been present and what has been communicated. And so what is evident is that there has, it hasn't been a lack of planning as it has been a lack of political will to support the city of Jackson. And often what you find from state leadership is that the way that they grow their profile, the way that they, they gain acclaim in the state of Mississippi, is to suggest their disfavor or their distaste for the city of Jackson. Uh, and so that is why we've been going at the better part of, of more than, than uh, six years in my administration and, and more many de decades from prior administrations trying to account for our, our various needs uh, account for the environmental justice issues that have been uh, tragically bestowed upon our residents. Uh, and so this is, this is what it, it is to live in a, in a majority black city in the state of Mississippi. Uh, this is what it is to live in a democratic stronghold within the state of Mississippi. Uh, and that particular point there, it is uh, by design. We're going to starve it. You, you see it right now where you have these Republican governors who would say, oh, we're going to screw over you Democratic cities. Uh, we, we're, we're not going to sit here uh, and provide anything for you. And really what they're saying is we're going to screw over you majority black cities. And that, that is why it's important that our communication is uh, sound, uh, that we are speaking directly to our residents and they understand, you know, not allowing someone uh, to come in after decades of neglect and, and portray an image of a savior. Uh, that they're saving the city of Jackson when they've always had responsibility to Jackson. That's one. And then it's two that we communicate early and often with our residents. So in the midst of crisis, we're not reaching for a solution, uh, which is also ultimately more devastating than the place that we already find our people. Uh, this is in the way of, of different paths forward that, they're, that are being suggested, uh, in the way of the state attempting to take over the system, uh, attempting to regionalize the system, which is just uh, another way of, of saying the same. It is a distinction without a difference. Uh, putting in the hands of people who have failed to fund us, failed to support us, who have choked us out, as you have said, uh, putting in the hands, uh, putting in their hands our, our system uh, that allows them to exploit us even further. So right, right now, uh, there are people, I, I've seen people sending trucks down, still sending water down. As of today, what is the state? Uh, has clean water been uh, returned to all the citizens in Jackson? Where do you stand today? Yes. Uh, so uh, pressure has been restored. The boil water notice has been lifted. Uh, outside of uh, specific instances around 
you know, a property or two that, that may have a challenge of a broken pipe that has now been fixed and, and they are under a boil water notice because of that break. Uh, the city of Jackson um, has been given the okay from the state health department and we do believe that we are producing clean water. Uh, I do want to address, you know, there has been a package on many multiple uh, national networks of brown water coming out of a tap. Uh, I do want to make certain that, that we know that while Jackson has significant challenges with our water distribution system, uh, while these challenges need to be invested in, uh, that that is not indicative of the Jackson experience. That particular prop property has been researched and there was an issue uh, specific to that property. And so that is not, that is not customary of the city of Jackson. And, and while we want people to know the severity of our circumstance, we don't want to mislead them that that is the type of thing that our residents are seeing each and every day. Um, and in terms of um, the latest from the federal government uh, when it comes to trying to force uh, your governor uh, to provide resources to Mississippi, have you also seen any movement from other state legislators? Have they shown that they give a damn about what's happening in Jackson or they're following the lead of uh, what people in your state call tater tot? I did crack up laughing just seeing that tweet somebody sent out. Yeah, well, well, I think that it's imperative that, that we make sure that everybody who has responsibility here uh, is working in tune with the desires of our residents. And, and so that is an ongoing process. I'll just say that. Well, I, uh, with, I, well, I, yeah. bet, you, I bet you if Jackson residents start, start, started withholding their sales tax money, uh, the rest of these broke folks around the state would start paying attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but, but, you know, I believe in a school of thought that, that was similar to how my mother treated me as a young child growing up. Uh, my mother not only used various forms of discipline, uh, she also used the power of persuasion through embarrassment uh, to make certain that, that I, you know, performed as she knew that I could. And so I'm not, a, I'm not uh, above embarrassing those that are not in line with the objectives of my residents. Uh, and that's why I speak to those things. Uh, with respect to the federal government, uh, I do believe that there is a sincere um, and, and um, sole desire to make sure that uh, they pr help provide the residents of Jackson dependable water. Uh, to that extent, I have been talking extensively with the, uh, the administrator of the EPA, Regan, uh, and a number of other federal officials. Uh, and I do believe uh, that, that they are the best path forward for the city of Jackson to work with. Uh, and and we are, we, that is underway as we speak. All right. Uh, Mayor Lumumba, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Give us this update. Uh, anything else happening in the future, let us know. We'll have you back on. I always appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. Thanks a bunch. I appreciate it. Uh, Jason, here's the thing. Uh, it, was, um, it was my man Adam Sir who wrote, cruelty is the point. He's talking about Trump and these MAGA folks. That's where we stand. These people, and they all have six, I call them evil on MSNBC. Kaylee McEnany uh, and Harris Falcon had the nerve to actually say, oh, uh, call, try to call us lap dogs and Harris, like, oh, those comments were irresponsible. No, irresponsible is you not. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM, at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Saying a damn thing when these folks are purposely trying to starve and kill black people by withholding funds because they don't like the fact that they won't vote for them. Yeah, I mean, it, there's... There comes a point where we have to start calling things as they are. And I think, you know, Mayor Lumumba speaks so eloquently. He's he's one of those people that I actually enjoy listening to just talk, uh, because I think he's so eloquent with his words. But I think there there are people like you and me and, and uh, Dr. Nyambi and Dr. Carr that have to actually call it what it is in the plainest language possible. And it is cruelty and it is evil. Uh, that you would sit there while people don't have drinking water, while young college students can't take a shower to go to class, uh, that and some of them had to leave and go to uh, hotels, that you would make jokes about the citizens of your own state because you realize that many of them are working class and, and the majority of them, 80 percent, are black. So uh, I think we need to call it what it is. We need to make this a good versus evil battle because in many cases, it is good versus evil. There are people out there that would see people without clean drinking water, one of the basic necessities of life, within their own state, something 
that they took an oath to be responsible for and sit there and go to another town and make fun of it. And we, we, it's not irresponsible for you to call that out. It's irresponsible for Tate Reeves to do that and to not help the city of Jackson even before they had a crisis when they asked for $47 million and he gave them three. So I, I think it's, you know, we need to call them out, not in flowery, flowery language. That's for elected officials like Mayor Lumumba. But for us who are in the media, we need to call it what it is. Well, and look, we're seeing more of this, Nyambi. We're seeing it more and more and more when it comes to these elected officials, and they are declaring war on these areas. And with us seeing an increasing number of black folks moving back south, we need to be prepared to understand what is going on. They love that they love the money we spend, but they want to starve these cities because they cannot stand black leadership. And more importantly, they don't like black people, right? So, I mean, this is a practice that we've seen over and over and over again in many cities around the country where uh, these cities are starved of resources systematically, so they fail. Um, and so they're not conducive to life. I mean, I think it's rich that this is the, car the party that calls itself pro-life and yet wants to do nothing to sustain life unless it's white life, quite frankly. And so what we see here in Jackson is this callous disregard for the people of that city. And that's been ongoing. It didn't start this year. It's been that way for a very long time. And people knew this. I mean, as early at the turn of the century, people were saying Jackson will not be able to sustain its water system. And yet, the time marched on, and as that city became blacker, what did they do? They, they moved resources out of the city. Um, they put them into the suburbs around it. And of course, we can talk about the waning tax base of the city itself, but the state has a responsibility to the citizens of Jackson, not just the mayor. And when we look at the fact that Mississippi takes more money from the federal government than 47 other states, or I'm sorry, um, they're the third highest, so that's what, 40-some other states after them, um, I think it's especially troubling that they find it so easy to treat the citizens of Jackson in this way. But this particular administration, but administrations before, this is how Black people get treated. When we say we are sick, we don't feel well, everybody just says, oh, you know, take an aspirin, you'll be better tomorrow. And that's essentially what they're telling Jackson. It's like, you know, continue to boil this water. Maybe we'll give you a stopgap. But there are deeper systemic issues going on here that even money can't fix, because we can fix the water today, and it's going to be something else tomorrow in that state for Black people, not just in Jackson, but throughout the state of Mississippi and many others. And as you know, as we move south, we have to really understand that our demographics aren't destiny, that we really have to be thinking about the moving pieces of the power in those states, because simply moving south does not mean that we are going to be able to change the the character of these places overnight and that we have to be thinking about sustained resistance to this kind of, of bigotry, hatred, and all-out failure um, and reckless disregard for, for Black life. Greg? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting you say that, Dr. Carter, because, you know, we mm -hmm. can preview what might happen. I mean, we look at South Africa, for example, where... Absolutely. Uh, extreme inequality is there. And the old saying in South Africa, when the white folks gave over political control, they said, you can wear the crown, but we're going to keep the jewels. 
So the extreme poverty there in South Africa, or, or you can go the Zimbabwe route, where, you know, let's just take this land. But then there's political corruption and everything in, in, in Robert Mugabe's administration, and the thing ends up in a disaster. You know, Jackson, perhaps we see a preview, possibly in some ways, with Atlanta. Uh, it's a different age, of course, mm -hmm. but when Manor, when Manor Jackson built that airport, them white boys was mad as hell. And when he said— Thirty percent of the people who build what became Hartsfield Jackson Airport going to be black. 19, 1973, black people were getting point zero zero one two percent of all city contracts. Break it down. Point zero zero one two. That's right. I ain't, hey, I, I, ain't, I ain't no math person, but damn, that ain't well, a lot. Well, well that's, but that's the point. I think what we saw there, of course, it creates a kind of black bourgeoisie and petty bourgeoisie that isn't, as you say, Niambi, dem demography isn't necessarily destiny because we know if anybody I just came back from Atlanta, anybody been to Atlanta know it's a tale of north of Atlanta and south of Atlanta. You know, the uh, the Cobb County Crackers, I mean, um, the Atlanta Braves moved out of downtown uh, Atlanta in north, and then you go south, and it's black. And, of course, if Kasim Reed had won the mayor's election, he was talking about perhaps even entertaining letting Buckhead secede. In other words, so just because you black doesn't mean that you don't play in. And anybody who's seen that damn spaceship uh, Mercedes-Benz dome that tried to eat the Atlanta University Center understands that just because you black doesn't mean that you won't care. Now, I saw that to say this. You know, one thing, you know, I've known Chokwe Antar for a long time, he and his sister. I knew his father and, and his mother, but his father particularly very well. It, it, I agree with you, Doc. I mean, I, you know, when you hear Chokwe, as, you know, as Brother Jason said, he has to speak a certain way. But it's right behind his teeth. See, because he come from a family where they oh, say yeah. freedom. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. Understand? And so it's killing. But one of the things I love about Chokwe Lumumba is that you can see the growth. I mean, it, it wasn't like he was behind the curve anyway when he lost the election the first time to a handpicked black candidate at white power structure. But he has continued to develop his language. And certainly when he said, yeah, I'm talking to the EPA administrator, yeah, Michael Reagan, they probably going to try to lose holy hell on that punk governor and that punk legislature. But I'll end with this. While Brett Favre is stealing, and you talked about it earlier, of course, you know, sports is religion in the South. And so, you know, Brittany Griner is sitting in jail in Russia, and her ex-coach at Baylor won't open her mouth at LSU, and I'm watching young people on social media say, hey, young girls, do y'all see this right here? She won't cape for Maybe you shouldn't go to LSU. Well, guess what? Deion Sanders today said that this is a case of discrimination. This is a case of equality. You know, Prime don't like talking like that. But if that football coach keeps talking like that in Jackson, and you keep this up, Roland, I think what you said earlier with Tennessee State applies here. This is a morality play, just like we heard. And you cannot get through to a white nationalist who is determined to run this thing into the ground. You got to break his back. Tate Reed's back, his political back must be broken. Chokeway can't say that. But the more of us, I agree with you, Doc, the more of us who say that, yep. you can empower him to do that.
And but by the way, I, just, I should say one other thing. Go back and look at y'all, if y'all haven't seen it. Look at that interview that the mayor of Jackson did with Roland Martin a couple of weeks ago. Because Roland, he, when you all walk piece by piece of how they've starved Jackson, I didn't know, for example, that Jackson State doesn't have its own independent water system. And that in Jackson, Mississippi, the state has built independent water systems for state control. That is, that is indefensible, because Jackson State is a state institution. I didn't know any of that. Everybody should go back and look at that interview. That really tells you a great deal. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back, we'll talk about the suspension of black students in the schools and what one organization is doing to try to stop it from happening. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Download the app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. You can also, of course, join our Bring the Funk fan club. Your dollars make it possible to do what we do. Send a check and money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is R, uh, R, R M Unfiltered. Zale Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. We'll be right back. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. Yo, it's your man Dion Cole from Blackish, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Stay woke. All right, folks, the news center reveals that black girls are 4.19 times more likely to get suspended than white girls. Yeah, this has been an ongoing issue for quite some time. Even during the Obama administration, they tried to address this in the Department of Education. Uh, but people are still having to deal with this problem. Joining me right now is Dr. Andrea Joseph McCaddy, an assistant professor at the College of Social Work at the University of Tennessee. She examined the disproportionate school suspensions and the ways inequity impacts the experiences of students of color. Also, uh, joining me is Kara James, executive director of the uh, Find Design, F-I-N-D Design, a nonprofit organization that offers initiatives used to support black girls in schools. Okay, so talked about how, how the, the increase uh, in the number, but but why? Well, what is the basis uh, upon which uh, this is the case? Hi, yes. Yeah, so um, absolutely. So the the numbers have been there. Um, it's it's been decades that we know disproportional suspensions have been happening, um, particularly for students of color. Um, in fact. The overall suspension numbers have been going down, but disproportionality is still persisting. And so as investigators have been looking at this, we know there's an array of issues. It's not just bad behavior, which some people may think. Um, it includes bias. That's one of the things we're thinking about the, what we believe, um, how we believe children should behave. It's punitive practices and policies, right? Those zero tolerance policies where children are getting suspended for a year or being expelled 
for subjective behaviors or for um, behaviors that we could probably rehabilitate. Um, so there's an array of issues and interventions that schools are trying to put in place to support that. Does, well, does the data break down who is suspending them? Are they black teachers? Are they white teachers? Uh, do, does it break that down? Mm -hmm. um, I can say I haven't come across that specific type of data, um, but what we know is over 85% of all educators are white women um, in the United States. Um, so I think that should give us a sense that um, of who's making those decisions. But I also want to say that um, most it's mostly administrators that are making decisions, um, who get to make the final decisions about who's being suspended. Um, and um, we talk about these suspensions. This is not fourth, fifth, sixth grade. This stuff is happening preschool, kindergarten. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. crazy. It's starting, to me, that's crazy too, right? Like just a few years out of the womb and you're already facing discipline at this extent. Um, and we see that disproportionality that early as well. Um, and so black boys and black girls have the highest um, suspension rates um, among their counterparts. And so what you're seeing here is data that anyone can get access to, charts anyone can get access to from the Office of Civil Rights. This is federal data made available to us. And what we know and what's really stark and stands out to me is that while, for example, black boys do have higher suspension outcomes than black girls, what we do know is black girls are the only group of girls disproportionately suspended in the country starting at preschool. Um, I want to bring in uh, Kara James here. So, Kara, um, how do we reverse this? Because if, if, I mean, my goodness, if they're suspending them in preschool, damn. Yeah. And um, first of all, a deep bow of honor and gratitude for being in this space and bringing light to this this, this challenge. Um, at the Fine Design, first of all, we want to be intentional about servicing our girls. Like you talked about, we have to provide a space to grieve the loss of humanity for just showing emotions as they're being adultified and criminalized in this system. They're being seen as older. So because of this adultification, they are seen as let, less needing nurturing and caring and love. So first of all, we need to address, because they're ignored enough, their voice is not heard enough. So we need to provide safety for them to grieve that loss, for them to be able to feel these feelings because they're real, that you can't just show up and just be without being labeled disrespectful or be doing something in violation of a school code. We have black girls, and, and let's be clear, I want to be clear on this, Roland, that we also have to see black girls. Oftentimes, we're talking about their behavior and their trauma. Despite all of that, black girls have joy. They have resilience. I think about the eighth graders in my programs that's leaving school, going homes, being mothers of six kids. And so it, cooking meals, giving baths at, at 13 years old, you have to have strategy for that, compassion for that, uh, organizational skills for that. We're not seeing that. We're seeing, uh, I don't know how I can cuss on this show, but what we're seeing is them showing up. Oh, no, cuss, cuss, cussing aloud. <laughs> normal, normally, normally Reese's on here on Thursday. 
Okay, so we would have heard at least 45 MFs by now. Okay, so uh, I wanted to drop it, but I'm like, oh, you know. But, I mean, let's be real. I'm hearing suspensions and discipline because they're showing up at the, after this type of evening being questioned about a pencil, being questioned about going to sleep at their desk, being questioned about being tired. And so, I, the, for number one, before we can tap into anything in our organization, we're making sure that they are presented with safety, that we're building their trust for the, for us to be allowing them their voices to be centered. Because as we address some of these disparities, we need to make sure that we are speaking in truth of their experiences. Oftentimes, we want to jump in, and they're not on the forefront of these conversations. We need to be bringing them to the conversations, allowing people to see the experiences, and also addressing the implicit biases and perceptions that is causing these challenges to happen um, in the first place. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jason Niambi. Uh, Niambi, I'll start with you. Questions for our guests. Yeah, so thank you, Dr. Caddy, uh, for that research. Um, are you finding that how these young girls are responding to these um, behaviors? Are they becoming less interested in school? Are they moving toward other institutions that affirm them? Like, what does this kind of discipline do to these, these young girls? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are outcomes that we certainly want to pay attention to. So there's academic outcomes, um, right? And so they're missing school days. They're missing instruction. So that's certainly having an impact on their grades, um, their social connectedness, their relationship that they can be building with their educators and their classmates, behavioral, right? Students being labeled as a troublemaker and then maybe playing into those, those labels sometimes. Um, and as well as we know that there's a school to prison pipeline, the more a student is suspended, the more they're suspended, right? And they're at greater risk for being involved with um, juvenile justice, et cetera. So, you know, what I often say is, I haven't seen any research, research there thus far that tells me that school suspensions work. We're not seeing mm -hmm. this reformed behavior. What I think is schools need alternatives. And so that's why we have interventions such as restorative justice practices and positive behavior intervention systems. And while those are doing great work thus far, they're, they're mostly reducing overall suspensions, and these schools need help making these interventions intersectional, meaning we're accounting for race and, and racism in society, gender um, in society, um, and thinking about the way that girls are um, living within those identities, um, particularly um, in their communities and in schools. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Jason. So, uh, first of all, thank you so much for the work you do. I... um... I teach about adultification of black uh, girls every semester. So I'm so glad that you guys are are actually tackling this issue. Um, I did want to just say one thing, and that is, uh, I think it was Roland that asked about uh, same-race teachers. And what they found in research is that there will be 1,800 fewer suspensions, at least this is in New York City, 1,800 fewer suspensions of black students when they share the same race as their teacher uh, over a 10-year period. And... To just to your point, just a second ago, um, Professor, uh, nine or nine thousand more days of school for black students over ten years, mm-hmm. if we cut out school suspensions. I never understood it as a kid who got suspended a couple of times. I never understood the logic of I'm in trouble, so I don't have to go to school. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, in school suspensions were a little different, but. You know, t- having me out of school, so then I have to catch up, and then I'm going to be frustrated in the classroom. You know, th- it really was counterintuitive and didn't make sense. I wanted to ask you guys about, uh, you know, a few years ago, we know the Obama administration uh, had a guidance uh, to reduce school suspensions, and then the Trump administration rolled it back. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys. Do you think that that made a difference in making things worse and exacerbating things? Or were there things about the Obama administration uh, guidance that needed to be fixed as well? 
Well, I think the Obama administration took the first step in at least highlighting the problem, right, making sure that we had the national data available so that researchers such as myself could explore what was happening as early as preschool, because that preschool data only became, hasn't even been around for, I think, 10 years. Um, and so that was the first good step. Um, and then making funding available so that schools can have access to it, districts can have access to implement positive behavior interventions, um, as well as restorative justice practices. However, where we are now is we actually have to talk about race. And I think in the post-Trump era, that's where we get uh, tripped up a bit, right? Um, in this era where, where uh, schools are afraid of the big bad critical race theory and everything gets misconstrued under that concept, you know, I, I, I meet so many practitioners, um, educators who want to do the work, um, being more for Front, um, at the forefront of their own biases and understanding students' culture. But depending on the state you live in, um, that work may be misconstrued. Um, so what I would say is schools are still trying to do the work. They need the support. And I think some of the most beautiful models I have seen, for example, are of Gwen's girls in Pittsburgh, um, 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 Pennsylvania, that are working in partnership with school districts to provide programs with um, stakeholders in, um, in the mayor's office, in, in the state, with the, with the juvenile justice department. Um, and so there's coalition building. That's what schools need. They can't do it by themselves. We need researchers on board. We need policymakers on board um, to do this work collectively, particularly in the era where um, educators are putting their, there's a muffle over their mouths to talk the truth about race and racism in our country. All right. First of all, if people are looking for uh, information, they're looking for some resources, uh, where should they go? Right. So, um, well, Kara can tell you more about the fine design. Yeah, well, hey, um, they can definitely come to the fine design, www.thefinedesign.org. We are on every major platform that is out there. We really, again, as um, Dr. Joseph alluded to, this is a, this is a collective issue. This is not a black girl problem. This is a collective problem. And until we can make sure that black girls matter, we are going to struggle. We know the role, the central role that black women and girls play in the family and in the community. When you look at a, a several majority of, of, of marches and, and, and advocacy, you saw black women on the forefront. So when we good, hey, the community is good. So check us out. We offer programming specifically for black and brown girls to make sure they're are getting the healing that they're needed. You know, Malcolm X said in 1962, we are the most disrespected, unprotected, and neglected women in America. And regardless of how you feel about the messenger, just the data speaks for itself. It's definitely time for us to acknowledge make sure that we are aware of, of our own biases. This is not a white person's issue. This is a systemic issue. Got it. So making sure that we're doing our own work first and that we're seeing, hearing, and protecting black women. Kara, Andrea, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Niambe, Jason, Dr. Carr. I appreciate y'all being on the panel today as well. Uh, thank you so very much. Always good to see you. Folks, that is it for us. Uh, we're going to see you tomorrow right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Uh, today, of course, if you missed uh, the Alpha Luncheon where we talked about voting, uh, what the D9 is doing, go to the Black Study Network app, go to our YouTube channel. You actually see that panel. We also, of course, live stream yesterday's event, the Black Women's Roundtable. That's also available on our app and the YouTube channel as well. Tomorrow, I have three, three uh, sessions I'll be moderating at Congressional Black 
Black Caucus Foundation, AOC. Uh, well, the first one begins at 9.30 in the morning. We'll be live streaming those three all day. Uh, sessions by Congresswoman Terry Sewell, Congressman Hank Johnson, Congressman Andre Carson. So a lot of things happening. And so uh, please uh, check us out. The reason we do this, folks, is because we're doing something nobody else's black-owned media is doing. And that's very simple. There's no other black-owned media outlet providing you with a number of live hours of content that we do every single day, specifically targeting African-Americans. And so we want you to support us in what we do. Download the Black Star Network app, available on all platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. And of course, uh, we also want you to uh, support us, and that is joining our Bring the Funk fan club. We have to get uh, 2,000 folks a month, giving 50, 50 bucks each to raise $100,000 every single month to continue to, uh, to pay uh, our bills, to pay our staff, the coverage that we're going to be doing. We're going to be hitting the road uh, next month, traveling to Georgia, North Carolina, other places covering the election and the things that are happening there. So your support is critical to allow us to do so. Please support us again uh, by sending your check-in money orders to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale rolling at rollinsmartin.com. Rolling at rollinmartinunfiltered.com. That is it, folks. Thank you so very much. I will see y'all tomorrow. You know how we end the show. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.